And I, I just, I was thinking about you really is the bottom line. Donna and I uh, were talking yesterday. We just kind of went out for a few minutes and uh, we hadn't eaten at Chewy's restaurant in a long time. I don't know if you like Chewy's or if you don't, but we kind of like it. And, and she said, I kind of would like to go to Chewy's. And I said, man, I, I believe the spirit of God was in that. Let's, let's jump in the car and go. And, and we went over and we're just kind of talking about life. And I mean, we've been together a long time now, haven't we? I mean, 38 years married, two years dating, 40 that's 40 years, and then I had her in my head at least two years prior to that and made up my mind that I liked her. And so, I, I mean, the majority of my life has been with this woman in my mind. And so we're just talking about life and the different places that we've lived and, 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 and the good things and the good people that we've been able to associate through the years uh, with. And, and then we begin talking about you and talking about the church here and and just what such good people that we have as part of this congregation. And I'm not trying to flatter you today. I really don't have anything to gain by that. But I just want you to know today that you are loved and you are appreciated. Your God loves you so much that the scripture says he sent his only begotten son so that he could die and then rise again so that your sins could be forgiven. He loves you. And not only does God love you, but there are people that are around you that love you. And you have a pastoral team that loves you. You have a pastoral family that has been here in this city with you now for several years. And I just want you to know that we love you and we appreciate you. And I pray God's greatest blessings are in front of you and not behind you. Amen. God's going to do some wonderful, amazing things in your life. Are you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1? This is the first letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Thessalonica. And the Thessalonians were not perfect people. They had some issues that they needed to deal with. But I thought it was interesting that before, God, before Paul began talking to them about those kinds of things, he wanted to commend them. He, he wanted... Uh, to share with them about how he had been praying for them and giving thanks to God for them. And so I'd like for you to join me and let's read from chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. We'll go through verse 8. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you. Some translations say for each of you. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers and remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, 
so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that you'll help me and anoint me to say what you want me to say to this congregation today. I pray that they'll be encouraged and edified today and to know no matter what they're going through, no matter what phase of life that they find themselves in, let them know when they leave this house today that they are loved. They're loved by you. They are loved by their pastoral family. God, they are good people. And I want them to be encouraged and edified today for the life that they live before you. I pray that those who have their heads hung down today, those who are struggling with life, those who are shedding big tears over circumstances that they may be facing, let them leave this house today being filled with faith, filled with power in the Holy Spirit, and know that there is nothing too difficult for them with God on their side. Father, good things will happen today. I declare it so in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Yeah, I have been privileged through the years and Donna to, to be in many different locations and many different people uh, and, and have many different people in our lives. And, 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 you know, I have discovered that people pretty much are the same wherever you go. They may have different cultures. They may have different ways of doing things. But people, for the most part, are pretty much the same wherever you go. And the good news is, is that God is consistently in love with every creation that has come from him, himself. And he loves you today. And I was thinking about Paul and thinking about the words that he was getting ready to speak to the, to the Thessalonians. And, and it just dawned on me how grateful that I am for you. Because honestly, none of the good things that have happened in the last seven years could have happened were it not for people of faith like you. And as I read this, I came across three things that he was particularly grateful for. And I, I want to share those things with you this morning. And I want to amen those and say that just as he was grateful for these things in the Thessalonians... I am grateful for these things in you. The first thing that he commended them for was what he called the work of faith that was in them. The work of faith. Now the inference here in this passage of scripture is toward an inner discipline. It's not something that you necessarily see or hear on the outside of these people but it's something that they sensed and, and, and that they operated in in an inner discipline. They were people of faith. Now, all of you know that we, our relationship with Christ begins with faith. That's the only way you can be saved. That's the only way that you can move forward in Christ is to believe that he is who he says he is and to believe that he loves you, that he cares for you, and he is on your side. So faith has to be the starting point of every relationship with Jesus Christ. But then we have to walk by faith as well. We have to live by faith. We have to speak by faith. We have to think by faith. And so many times, this work of faith uh, is an 
internal discipline that is not always seen outwardly in people's lives. But here's what I want you to see today. I want you to see the way that this is written and the structure. It is not talking about uh, a a working of faith and that we have found a a way to do faith or that that we have a, a plan for faith, but is the opposite. The faith that is in us is driving us and moving us and directing us towards the things of God. Now, there are all kinds of faith. There's all kinds of levels of faith. But what he's talking about is faith being in you to such a level that it directs you and drives you and every step that you take is made by faith. Now, let me explain this to you as best I can. If if you got a bad report from your doctor this week, probably knowing you and being the people of faith that you are, you would begin working faith. You would begin putting into practice the principles of faith that you've been taught. You would go to the Word of God and you'd start looking for scriptures that have to do with healing. And you would start reading those out loud and you begin quoting those. And when you start feeling bad in your body, you'd just you'd start saying things like this: I am more than a conqueror through Christ. I am healed by the stripes that Jesus Christ took upon his back. The, the healing is the bread for the children of God. You'd begin speaking these things uh, and building your faith, you would begin looking into Scripture because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. And you would start actively working faith into your circumstances. And you would begin to build your faith. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about people who their faith can be seen on the outside very clearly. But he's talking about a mature faith that lives and resides in you and is already there and is the first natural response to anything that the enemy or the devil throws your way. You're not immature in your faith. You don't let doubt get you down. You don't get frustrated with your situation. You don't come to a place where you realize that like the psalmist did one time when he started thinking about all the stuff in his life, he thought about it and he said, oh, he said, I may, I, I shall not be greatly moved. In other words, I, I'm going to be moved a little bit. This is going to take me back a little bit. This is going to be hard to deal with. I'm going to be moved some here, but I'll survive. I'll be okay in the long run, but I'm going to get hit with the devil's best shot. And then he started talking about the goodness of God. And he started thinking about God's faithfulness. And he started thinking about all the times that God had brought him through. He started thinking about the times that he had to kill a bear and a lion with his bare hands. He thought about the times that he had to put a stone in a sling and take out a giant who had come against him in the, in, in the name of, of the Philistines. Uh, and he began to rehearse in his mind all of these internal faith builders. Uh, and when he was done thinking about that, he said, I want to change my declaration. I'm not going to say I shall be greatly moved. Instead, I'm going to say I shall shall not be moved. Amen. He moved from the outside faith to the inside mature faith that would drive him through every circumstance. 
I'm thankful for people of God today that you've been through the fire. You've been through experiences that have built your faith. I'm thankful that I can look at you and know that no, no enemy that is formed against you is going to prosper. No voice of the enemy is going to be able to whisper in your voice and in your ear and cause you to want to give up and to give up and, and leave the faith and, and to turn in your credentials as it were. No, you've been around long enough to know that though you may be facing some bumps in the road, you've got a faith that is inside of your spirit that is going to give you the power and the authority to overcome. And so when I look at you this morning, I see people of faith. I see people who are not just working faith outwardly, but I see people who, who are experiencing faith on the inner being. And, and, and your first response is that of faith. Let me tell you, I, I struggle with this in my own life. There are times that, that I let my mouth get out of control, and I have to pull that thing back in. It's just like at 3 o'clock this morning when the, when the rain started coming. My first reaction, if it were, were, oh, man, I, I hope this doesn't keep people home from church today. I hope people don't stay home just because of a few raindrops. I started, I started thinking in my mind, you know, they'd go to work anyway if it was raining. They wouldn't stay home and, and from work if it was raining. I hope, they don't, I hope they don't stay. And all of a sudden, I just heard my mind and felt my mind going that direction. And I just had to pull it all in and stop it and say, no, I'm not going to go there. I believe in these people. I believe these people love the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe these people want to be in church. I believe these people want to worship the Lord. I believe these people will be there today. I have faith in them because they're mature men and women of God and they're not going to let the devil stop them and neither are they going to let a few raindrops keep them from worshiping their Lord. He talked about this work of faith. Mature, mature faith directs your attitudes and your actions. When this faith gets in you, then you, you just, you kind of automatically know. I remember my mom when she was alive, and I've told you the story, I think. She made, she made the best biscuits in the world. I mean, they were homemade. She, she I, I don't know, they were fluffy. They, they, were, they were big. I mean, you, you could cut one of those things open and put sausage on it and put some of her gravy on top. And I'm telling you what, it, it was good. And then my dad, through the years, he'd always, as soon as they came out of the oven, he'd cut them open and he'd start buttering. And he'd put the butter pile over here. And he'd put the gravy pile over here. And, and you had gravy and sausage with these, but then you had jelly with these. Or we would have golden eagle sopping syrup. Now, some of you don't even know what that, that is. It's an Alabama thing. You can only get it in Alabama. My family, they were, they were born and raised in Alabama. And you can get those jars. There were, there were Christmases, literally, that my mom and dad would bring a jar of golden eagle sopping syrup to our house and give it to us for Christmas. And what you do is you take it and you put a big old pile of butter on your plate. And then you pour the syrup on top. And then you get your fork and you just whip that stuff. Whip, 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 whip. And then you take that big old fluffy biscuit and you just wipe it. You just pull it through that sopping syrup. And you just let it drip all the way up to your mouth. And 
lick up the nectar and eat that. And man, I'm telling you, it's good stuff. So I told my mom, I said, Mom, I love my wife more than words can say, but she can't make biscuits like you do. And, and, and I'd, I'd like for you to teach her how to make biscuits. And she was young and she wanted to please me. She doesn't care if she pleases me now or not. That's not, that's not even in the equation. You understand? That's what 38 years will get you. You know what I'm talking about. Back in those days, she wanted to please me. And she'd go to my mom, would you please teach me how to make biscuits? And my mom, she couldn't tell her how she made them. She said, well, you just take a little pinch of this and a little pinch of that. And you throw it in and you, whoo, you whoop it up. And you pray for it and anoint it with oil and all that kind of stuff. And invite the Holy Ghost to enter in and all that. And when, and when she was done, my wife, she'd say, you know, I don't know how many times I've watched her make those biscuits. And I just don't have a clue what it is that she's doing. I don't have any idea. So until my mom died, every time I went to visit her, I'd say, make biscuits, mom. This, this may be the very last time that I get to eat these heavenly biscuits on this side of heaven. She didn't have a clue. But my mom had it in her. It was here. She didn't have to have a recipe. And my wife, she has things like that that she, she fixes. She doesn't get a recipe book out. She just goes to the kitchen and here she goes. She just, you know, here and there and everywhere and singing along and praying over the food and all that kind of stuff. And it's good. But that's what I'm saying about people who have works of faith in them. It's an internal faith uh, that when the occasion calls for it, the people of faith know exactly what to say and how to live and how to respond to the situation that they're dealing with. He said, I commend you for your work of faith. Secondly, he said, I commend you for your labor of love. Now, when he commends them here, he's, he's commending them for their actions. He's commending them not only for what they think and feel internally, but he is commending them for what they do. Let me just say to you this morning, I am so thankful to you for you and the things that you do to make this church go. We couldn't be a church without you. We couldn't have the good atmosphere around here that we have if it weren't for you. It hasn't always been that way. I remember when I first came, I asked a few people, would you consider doing this? And would you consider doing that? We really don't have anybody to do it. And we don't have any help in that area. And, and here's the answer that I got the majority of the time. Don't we have a staff member who gets paid to do that? And I would look at them and say, um, are you serious? I mean, you, you, you know what we're dealing with here? And I've, I've heard that oh, there was a time when we had 18 staff members to do all that kind of stuff. And you know what happened? People forgot that God wants us to serve him through volunteering. We have forgotten sometimes, or we had, that God wants us in the game and not sitting in the bleachers uh, trying to watch everyone else be active. I'm going to tell you in the last year, to year and a half, people started stepping up. People started coming to me and saying, Pastor, have you ever considered doing this particular ministry in the church? And you know, I catch them off guard because I say, you know, 
I tell you what, if the Lord has put that on your heart, he probably wants you to lead that ministry. That's, that's probably why you're thinking about it. That's probably why you're dreaming about it. And you know what's so funny to me is there have been people lately who have said, well, I'll do that. If you'll let me do that, I'll do that. And I'll say, man, you just knock yourself right out. You do, I'll pray for you. I'll support you every way that I can. I can't do everything that needs to be done. Somebody with the last name Baker can't do everything that needs to be done. And the thing that I love about you and that I commend you for is that you're beginning to step up and rise up and be active in the kingdom of God. At the beginning of this year, we started a, a new kids rotation in, in the back because quite honestly, we just had people that were burned out because they'd been watching the kids week after week after week after week. And we put our heads together and we came up with a way that uh, people could volunteer and be involved, but they didn't have to do it every week. They didn't have to do it even very frequently. And let me tell you, that's been, that's been working so beautifully and so well, but it's because of you and it's been because of your willingness to step in. I'm so proud of you for your actions. I'm so proud of letting love flow out of you. I'm so proud that you are now at a place where you're saying, I don't want to just attend the church. I want to be the church. I want to be involved. I want to find my gift. I want to find my anointing. I want to find what it is that God has called me to do. I'm proud of you. This past, uh, just yesterday, in fact, I want to read a couple of things to you. That's the reason I'm getting my phone out here. I'm not answering any phone calls right now. Or text. I've got a couple things I want to read to you. But just this week, I was just amazed at some of what I saw on Facebook. Uh, John and Elizabeth came home from three weeks of youth camp. And by the way, just let me take an opportunity to say thank you for them for giving three weeks this year to take our kids to youth camp. And we had a great group of kids that went. And we sent them and they had a great time. When they came home yesterday, Liz has got all this uh, laundry in there and she's starting to do the laundry and somehow or another the, 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 the dryer wasn't working and, and, and uh, the heating element went bad in it, I guess. And so she got on Facebook and she said, you know, it just, you know, it never fails. You know, there at times like this when you don't need this kind of stuff, you know, it just seems like the devil tries to fight you and come against you. And I got all this laundry in my house and and, and I thought at first that she was going to gripe a little bit. But then I got down to the end of it and I saw one of those people of faith that I was just talking about because she said, but it doesn't matter because the devil's not going to get the best of me in this situation. No matter how bad it may look on the outside, I know that the devil is already defeated. And I was proud of her. I was at home saying hallelujah to the Lamb of God. My daughter-in-law's got it. I'm proud of her. But then people started refer just started answering her. And one of the ladies in the church, she said, I've got a dryer. She said, if you just want to drop your laundry over at my house, I'll dry it for you. And I thought, well, that was nice. And then Liz said, well, I, I thank you for that. She said, but I, you know, I got it all here. We'll be okay. And then not, not much longer, somebody said, I've got a dryer too. If you want to bring it over here, you can dry it here. And I've got food. 
I'm going to tell you right then, I'd have been packing some laundry up in some laundry baskets. You know what I'm saying? I got food. I'll feed you. So, well, thank you. You know, I appreciate it. But, you know, it, 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 you know it's kind of hard to do all that. And we'll just... But here's the thing that struck me. Here's the thing that made me so proud. Here was an individual in our church that was in need. And instead of feeling like that we had to, you know, like, well, let's do something by, through the authority and in the name of the church. Let's call the pastor. Pastor, is there some way that we can do this? Is there some? No, you weren't. Doing, you were just jumping out there and you were saying, I have a labor of love. I want to love on somebody and help somebody who is in need. And I'm telling you, we've been seeing this for the last several months. I don't know how many times people just doing for people and loving on people. We sent kids to camp this week that they don't even attend our church. And one of the little boys that came home from camp this week said to Miss Liz, said, Miss Liz, because we bought new clothes and we bought supplies for them to go so that they would have the clothes that they needed and we gave them some money so that they could go to the, to the, to the canteen and get some ale aid or whatever it is that they wanted. And we blessed these kids. And this little boy, when he came came home, he said to Miss Liz, he said, I just want to keep my new clothes at your house, if that's okay. And she said, well, don't you want to take your new clothes home with you? And he said, no, I want to leave my new clothes at your house. Because if I leave them at your house, they won't get dirty. If I take them to my house, they'll get dirty. You see, I, I'm, I'm talking about showing the love of Jesus Christ this was not a pastoral initiated thing. This was not a church an, an, an appropriated thing. This was just men and women of faith saying, how can I help? When she put on Facebook about that, I mean, people immediately started saying, I'll give. How much do you need? I'll buy some clothes. I'll, I'll go out and get some of these things. I'll do this. Listen, church, we've not been called to have church. We've been called to be the church. And when I look at you, you and I see you and see how God is using you. I'm like the Apostle Paul and I have to say I am thankful to God for you. Derek Williams texted me last night and he said, Pastor, he said, if my garden is any, any indication at all of the future blessings of God, he said, man, he's going to pour out blessings on us like, like crazy. He said, I've got more stuff that I know what to do with. He said, what, he said, if I bring the tithe of my garden, he said, you won't be able to handle it all. He sent me pictures of all these tomatoes and cucumbers and squash and all that kind of stuff. And I said, well, Derek, we can only use so much. I said, but there are other people maybe in the church. I said, why don't you bag some up? And why don't you just let people know that you have it and you don't want to just, for it to go to waste. And he said, man, that's a great idea. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful to be able to be among people who are not thinking of themselves all the time, but are thinking about how God can use them for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. I want to read to you some reports from our child care center. You say, well, pastor, you know, I don't know why I want to hear all this stuff. You're not preaching like you usually do. Hey, you ought to like this message today because I'm bragging on you. That's right, I'm loving on you today because all this stuff is possible. When we started this daycare a little year, over a year ago, we made it very clear 
that this was not to be a money-making venture, although we did anticipate that we would be able to make some money and take the proceeds from that and put it back into ministry. But we said, we want to minister to people. We want to minister to families. And I want you to know that the majority of the people, the employees who work in this child care center are members of Spirit Life Church. People who attend here. People who act out and live out their faith in this congregation right here. And I want you to hear what some of the people are saying about these people who work in our daycare. One person said, my son has been going to the orchard since he was an infant now and he's 20 months, 21 months old. He's had two teachers. He had Miss Kate when he was an infant and Miss Margie when he turned one. And I have to say that they are awesome. Abel was diagnosed with pneumonia this week and was admitted to the hospital. And I posted on Facebook and Miss Margie reached out to me to see how he was doing. And I appreciate that so much. I could see the love that she has for not only my son, but the other babies. Thank you for your love and for your support. You are a blessing to my family. And then just this week, we had this one come in. It says, we love the Orchard Child Care Center. My kiddos have gone to this child care center for over a year. And from day one, we knew that our prayers were answered. My children have learned so much advancing in their development, but most importantly, advancing in the kingdom of God. Amen. We love the teachers for their love is truly amazing and without question. It is genuine. And I will continue to spread the awesome word about the orchard. And then she got on a hashtag anointing. And she said, hashtag every child is special. Hashtag God is here. Hashtag, hashtag kids love it. Hashtag parents do too. I like that. One more. Lady writes, she says, my baby is new to the daycare and to the world. I am amazed at the love that pours out of this facility. The teachers are all amazing. I couldn't be any happier with my choice to enroll her here. You say, what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say that we should be proud of the fact that God is giving us an opportunity to impact this, this community with the love of Jesus Christ. We don't walk up and down the halls and say, we want to catch you loving on people today now. You know, part of your job is to love. You got to love. If you don't love, we're going to fire you. We don't operate that way. These people come to work and when they walk in the door, they say things like, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. I'm going to spread the love of Jesus Christ to these infants. They may not yet understand what it is that they're feeling, but they're going to experience the love of Jesus Christ. We're going to lay our hands on them. We're going to pray for them. We tell everybody when they walk in the door, if you come here, they're not going to hear about Allah. They're not going to hear about Buddha. They're not going to hear about Krishna. 
Now, they're not going to hear about Joe Smith, uh, but they're going to hear about the love of Jesus Christ and how he died for them. The labor of love. And then lastly this morning, I want to thank you for your steadfastness of hope. That's what he says in the scripture. He said, I constantly thank God because you are steadfast in your hope. Now, some translations use the word endurance. Some of them say, I I thank God for your endurance in hope. But in this translation, it says steadfastness. In other words, it doesn't matter how life treats you. It doesn't matter how difficult it can be. You're steadfast in your hope that Jesus Christ can do whatever needs to be done in your life. He's talking about people who have sold out to the reality of Jesus Christ. And they've made this determination. I'm not going back. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. Last week I told you that the one thing that I wish and hope and pray for you is that under under no circumstance will you even consider the possibility of giving up. But instead, you'll say, it doesn't matter how difficult it looks to me. I know that my God is greater and that I have the ability to overcome in every circumstance. And I'm going to be steadfast. And I'm going to be sure. And I'm not going to quit. And I'm not going to give up. When he talks about steadfastness of hope, he's talking about a spirit of anticipation. I kind of let up lately, but this last week the Lord reminded me. He said, When you came to this church, He said, What did I tell you to tell them? And I started thinking about it and I said, Well, Lord, you told me to tell them that if we're going to come through this victoriously, we're going to have to learn how to expect the best in every situation. We're going to have to learn how to explore our faith in every circumstance that we face. And then we're going to have to learn how to expand the kingdom of God within us and without. I felt the Spirit of the Lord say to me this week, you haven't been talking a lot about that lady. And I said, well, You know, I want the people to feel like I've got something else I can say other than just that. He said, yeah, but you need to remind them that that's the key to their victory. You need to let them know some of them are going through hard times, difficult situations. I think about Dottie this week who had to take her husband up to the hospital. Had a very serious surgery and for a period of time was in intensive care. And when the phone call came to me, we prayed on the phone together and believed that God was going to touch Charles, that he was going to bless him, he's going to heal him. And we're steadfast in our faith and our hope that God is going to do exactly that. I know for a fact that some of you in the last few days, you've received negative news from your doctor. But I don't see you biting your nails. I don't see you going crazy. 
I don't see you wanting to give up. All I hear is, I've been down this road before. God was with me then. And God will be with me now. And I believe with all of my being that He is able to supernaturally heal me and deliver me because He is my healer. But if He chooses to use doctors, then I put that in His hands and I believe that He can do that too. I'm not so naive as to believe that the doctors didn't get their wisdom from book learning that came from the enemy of my soul, but they received it from God, their creator. And so if God decides he wants to use doctors to bring healing to my body, I'm all right with that because he is my Lord and I'm not going to let it get me down and I'm not going to get discouraged and I'm not going to give up. And there are some of you that you've taken the approach of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego who when the king said to them, when we play the music, you're going to bow because if you don't bow, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. We're going to turn it up seven times hotter than it's ever been before. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego look at the king and said, you do what you got to do. We are not bowing down to your king. We're only going to bow to our king. They said, we're going to give you one more chance. You better, you, better get, you better turn down your God and turn to ours or we're going to throw you in. And they said, said, listen, listen, hear me well. We know that our God is able to keep us from going into that furnace. But if not, that's okay. We're still not going to worship your God because our God is able to deliver us from the fire. And when they threw them in the fire and they looked in to see, expecting to see them charred and gone and burned up in smoke, they looked in and the old king said, he said, didn't we throw three in there? Yes, king, we threw three. And he said, why then does it appear to me that there's a fourth man in the fire and he looks like the son of God? When they let them out, they didn't even have the smell of smoke on their clothing because God had been with them. Listen, I don't care what the doctor has said to you. You've got a lot of options before you today. God can supernaturally heal you. God can take you through a process where medical uh, assistance can heal you. And if not, and you somehow go from this life into the next, let me tell you something you're still going to be healed because you're going to put off this body and you're going to walk into the presence of the Lord where the scripture says to be absent from this body, this corruptible body is to be present with the Lord. And if you're present with the Lord, there won't be any sickness there and there won't be any death there. There's hope for you today. Tell you it doesn't matter what you're facing today. How many of you know that God is able? God is able. We've got at least two families in this church right now that attend here. They have children who are dealing with autism. 
I've never had a child that was autistic. I can't say to you this morning that I understand how you feel and what you're going through because honestly, I've never gone through it. I can empathize with you, but I don't know what you're going through because I've never been there. But I do know this. You have a great high priest. His name is Jesus. And he has experienced everything that this world can throw. And he did it successfully. And he's on your side. And he'll give you the wisdom that you need. And he'll give you the strength that you need. And when you think you can't go another day. And when you think you can't make it another moment. And when it feels like you're going to lose your mind. Don't you forget that that child is a creation of God. And God loves you so much and loves that child so much that he put that child in your care because he had confidence in you. And he believed that you were up for the task. And he will give you every resource that you need to be successful in the raising of that child. When we were talking yesterday, Donna and I, we were reliving what was some of the most difficult times of our life when we first moved here. Six months after getting here, having to bring my mom and dad into our home and become their primary caretakers. Some of you are having to do that right now. Some of you are the primary caretakers for your parents or for someone older than you. And you never dreamed that you might someday have to take care of your mom and dad. And that the ones who one day put diapers on you you'd find yourself having to put diapers on them. I'm telling you, I know what I'm saying. When there are days that you feel like you just want to pull your hair out. There are days when you feel like I don't have any answers, God, and I don't have any, I don't have any energy left to be able to do what you've asked me to do. God, whatever it takes, I just want you to remove me from this circumstance and remove this situation from my life. And then the Spirit of the Lord sweeps in and He speaks to you and says, I will give you the strength that you need love them you let my love flow through you and I promise you son there will be nothing too difficult for you and your wife 
as you commit yourself to this process. Here's what I'm trying to say to you today, church, and I know I know you came for some deep theological message today. And I wish I could give that to you. But all I can say to you today is I'm so very proud of you for standing strong and being resilient when the enemy of your soul has thrown everything that he can possibly throw at you. He tried to take this church out. He tried to destroy this ministry and the legacy of this house. But he could not do it. And now... He's trying to destroy you. And he's throwing things at you, trying to take you out. But you hear me today, and you hear me well. Paul said to the Thessalonians, I am proud of you, and I commend you, because in a time of great affliction, you were steadfast in your faith and in your love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they refused to give up. And they refused to give in. And because of it, they were not only successful in their own circumstances, but they became influencers in the world around them. Take your Bible. Look down with me to verse 6, and then we're going to quit. Verse 6, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in a time of much affliction. But with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became, say, I became, an example to all the believers. Verse 8. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. You know what he's saying? Paul saying on our missionary journeys when we go to other places all we have to do is show up and people start saying you know those saints from Thessalonica they've already sent word to us they've already told us of all that God has done from them for them they've already told us how God's been faithful They've already told us how that in a very difficult time that the Spirit of the Lord came and brought salvation to them. And Paul said, because of your influence and because of your testimony, other people already know what we would have come to tell them. But they already are aware of it. 
because of you, because of the impact that you've had on their lives. You know how they were able to do that? Because they decided that they were living for eternity and not for the here and now. People who have that kind of faith, they live with eternity in mind, knowing that their reward is not on this side of heaven, but their reward is on the other side. So that one day you will hear the Lord say, well done. Well done. stand with me this morning. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in His fountain, cleansed by His I'm a joint heir with Jesus as we travel this life. I'm a part of the family, the family of God. Will you sing that with me? Come on. I'm so glad I'm a family. a lot around here, but I feel like there are some people in this house today that they need they need a family hug today. And the way I want us to do that is if you're comfortable, I'd like for you to leave your seat and come down front. And I want you to stand in this altar and let's just get as close to one another as we can get. We're going to pray for one another in just a moment. But I want you to to come. I want to invite you to come and join the family of God right now. Come singing this song as you come this morning, if you will. Well, I'm so glad.